You are listening to the voice of Ahlus Sunnah Wal Jama'ah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Yes, indeed, I, I, I do. I love that ticket. It gets my, it's get my blood racing, my heart all excited and happy. I really can join into it every time. Um, but that's not the reason why the. Um, the Zika went on a little bit longer than usual today. Um, we had a few uh, spotted bother here with our internet and so on. And, uh, well, you know, it's very difficult to, to do a show on, on business nowadays if you don't have connection to the internet. But nevertheless, we managed to sort everything out. Some brilliant um, electronic wizardry by our, our sound man here, Lucolo. And thank Alhamdulillah. Yes, okay, we're back up and running now. And, uh, well, uh, the reason why we needed to bring the bad news, boy, mm, blood all over the JSE today. And, uh, well, you know, Zanzi was no different from uh, many of the other countries around the world. And it's all thanks to the big bad boys uh, trampling the grass and the ants are getting squished. Yeah, when the elephants fight, the ants suffer, don't they? That's an African proverb. And, uh, well, today it looks as though Africa most certainly is suffering because uh, it's not uh, the elephants fighting, it's the, it's, the, uh, it's the eagle and the dragon are at each other's throats. It sounds like a, sounds like a, a, a beginning of a poem. The eagle and the dragon were at each other's throats, trying to tear each other's eyes out and uh, arguing over the sale and trade of goats. Right, okay, well, anyway, um, yes, uh, China devalued the yuan today. America sees this as being part of uh, an effort to, to avoid the effects of the tariff war that's, uh, that it's waging against mainland China. And, well, uh, markets all over the world undergoing all kinds of paroxysms and um, uh, having fits and strokes uh, because, well, you know, when all of these things come along, um, you get all of these. You see, it's a, it's a, it's a very difficult uh, world to invest nowadays, you know. Um, you've got to try and sweat all, all sides of the trade, you know. You, you've got to buy commodities and uh, you use maybe commodities to underpin loans and then you use those loans in order to buy um single stock securities or bonds in emerging markets and uh, once you've invested in their interest rate environment for a while you you pull your money out again and by the you know it, it, it all takes a bit of time you see and uh, in the interim in between um like you know taking out the loan and realizing the value on the jsc and then you're bringing your money back to the united states the underlying commodities which were the basis of your original trade may have changed in value or you may have um, done your commodities trade uh, with specific currencies, and those currencies have now changed uh, value. And uh, as and of course you you've got to try and keep uh, track of the underlying value of the stocks that you buy with, like say, your single stock futures in South Africa. And uh, you know it's uh, it's all a, a very kind of like a queasy kind of game that you have to try and and participate in. This is uh, this is what happens when you chase riba, you see, rather than just doing basic business. But anyway, uh, you know, uh, the uh, the um, the uh, uh, what do you call it? The um, immaterial market. 
uh, you could call it the dematerialized market, uh, the fictional market, futures trading, uh, stock options, and all of these kind of things that you can take out nowadays. You know, you have one little thing. You have a barrel of oil that you want to sell. Well, you actually, you have a barrel of oil that you know is among your reserves and it's in the ground right now. It's actually below the surface of the ground. But you know that that barrel of oil is there. And uh, people have seen, uh, you know, prospector reports about your oil field. And they also believe that that barrel of oil is there. And so you get guys who come up to you and they offer to buy your barrel of oil before you've even taken it out of the ground. I mean, it happens. It's happening all over the world nowadays. You you drive along the uh, the end. 12 highway um Malasleni, and uh, you know you just notice like FNB signs on on and and I'm 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 not like you know being polite and not swearing. That's like you know the bank, uh, First National Bank, and then you get Absa Bank signs, and you get all these different bank signs on on the on the fences, you know, facing the road, and you come like. You know, wonder are those small little banking adverts that I'm seeing? No, it's in actual fact a sign of ownership. You see, this bank has bought this milli field. You know, before the millies have even started sprouting, the bank has bought the milli field. So they're, they're, that's what those little signs mean. <laughs> uh, you know. Um, the, the the bank actually bought this milli field 10 years ago before it actually started producing millies. In fact, this used to be a parking lot, but it is now a milli field, and, uh, and we had already, already bought the milli fields, the millies, nine and a half years before they were planted. That's not bad going. And the same thing goes for barrels of oil in the ground, you see. Uh, so you get people coming along and they buy the barrel of oil while it's still in the ground, and... Um, and then, you know, anything can happen with that barrel of oil because, you know, you can sell it to these people, they sell it to these people. And, uh, you know, you take out a mortgage here in South Africa, uh, you know, using your RDP government grant and, you know, you know, you mix it together with a whole lot of things. Just like any professional banker, you know, um, you, you put together this kind of asset and that kind of asset. And then you take out a mortgage here in South Africa to go and build yourself to change your shack into like, you know, a little brick structure that's got a little bit more reliability, you know, when the wind comes down. And next thing you you know, your mortgage has been bundled together with another whole lot of other mortgages, and then they bundle together with a whole lot of other interest-bearing assets, and they 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 put in together in a collateralized debt obligation, and uh, and then they 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 let free to go and sail the the, the high seas of accountancy, and uh, and uh, you know you don't know where your mortgage is going to end up. Whose plate it's eventually going to end up on? Who is eventually going to end up feasting on your mortgage? Yeah, you've got a little pile of bricks in Southern Africa, and their bankers in Switzerland are busy examining your mortgage. Yeah, I know these sort of things are happening. So it happens with barrels of oil in the ground and so on. And uh, people start trading these futures, and they buy options on their futures, and they... Well, anyway, it gets really, 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 really complicated. And uh, in the end, you know, you've got uh, a certain amount of trades that are that are financing your commodities purchase that has now underlain the security for the debt that you took out in order to go and um, buy single stock futures in South Africa. And then after three months, you take it back and you've got the interest on that. And you've made yourself 6.7% on the interest. But in the meantime, uh, the currencies that underlay the trade have changed in value. Uh, 
the commodities that you used uh, have changed in value and uh, and so the whole kind of dematerialized market that is far bigger than the actual real business that goes on in the world i don't know if it's like two or three times bigger nowadays but back in uh, 1997 already it exceeded the the dematerialized market it exceeded the real business market the real trades uh, it got bigger. That was when it was bigger. That was in 1997. So that was like, you know, um, 22 years ago. So uh, where are we nowadays? Well, you know, uh, really, it's uh, Riba is now um, driving the markets. It's like um, in the oil market, the futures market this, uh, became the spot price. Uh, and as soon as you've got that, you see, you see, the thing about futures markets, think about a barrel of oil that you pumped out of the ground and you have here. You can point at that barrel of oil and say that's a barrel of oil in the ground. Uh, but a barrel of futures oil in the ground, uh, you can't actually point it and say this barrel of oil is in actual fact here. So that means that the uncertainty about that barrel of oil in the ground is far greater than the real barrel of oil that you've actually pumped out of the ground and put into a barrel. Uh, and so the uncertainty that follows uh, the dematerialized futures markets, the options markets, um, is far greater than the real solid physical market that you actually work today. You know, human beings actually work, you know, I don't think you can qualify stockbrokers as human beings, but, well, you know, apparently there are exceptions every now and then. Same goes for accountants, apparently, and bankers. Um, yeah. So, you know, um, you the uncertainty about a futures barrel of oil is far greater than the real barrel of oil uh, and uh, as a result of that speculation and fear then starts driving the dematerialized market and um, and so the rationality of a market starts taking up a small and smaller little space and uh, the rumor and speculation uh, starts taking a bigger and bigger space and so you get crazies like Donald Trump elected to the White House, and crazies like uh, Boris Johnson elected into uh, into Ten Downing Street. Um, yeah, and uh, that in many ways explains a lot of what is happening in the world right now. Well, anyway, the JSE uh, losing 2.31% today on that UN devaluation and the fear, shock and fear and loathing that followed it. We're now on 54,975 and uh, the top 40 index uh, is 49,066, losing 2.52, showing like, you know, the international sector took a far bigger bruising than the locals today. Um, uh, and the rand also losing or 1.05% against the dollar. It's on 14.94 to the dollar at the moment, uh, 18.15 to the pound, uh, and uh, 16.74 to the euro. Gold uh, is on $1,463.28, a fine ounce. Mm. Yeah, so that uh, underscores the fact that, oh dear, now uh, China is also starting to misbehave. And uh, that means that there looks as though there's going to be turmoil for the foreseeable future. Uh, bond markets reacted, um, a losing yield, uh, and all kinds of problems started uh, racing across the world. And South Africa, I'm afraid, was no exception. 
And uh, yeah, um, uh, once we've once we've worked through this trail of pain, this river of blood that runs through it all, uh, we hope to get onto what Trump has called on the U.S. Fed to react as a result. Bond markets knocks as the UN tumbles. Purchasing managing index also tumbling for third month in a row here in South Africa. Bitcoin has hit record levels as a result. And all in the midst of all of that, Elon Musk announced that he's going to launch his boring company in China. Boring company. It's, uh, it's um, you, you know, uh, oil, oil pipelines. Uh, they... They work under pressure. You see, you have to like you have to have pressure to pump the oil from one place to another place. You know, gravity on its own isn't enough in some places. You know, it's very little. Uh, you know, you're going across a desert and there's there's no hills or anything. It's just flatness. You know, you've got to pump that oil through. And uh, then they have these little plugs. Uh, you see, they need to test whether or not uh, a particular section of the pipeline is uh, is open. Uh, if it's got blockages or anything like that or leaks or something. So they put basically like a, it's like a big sponge, I suppose you could put it, uh, you could describe it as a big sponge. They put it uh, perfectly fitted uh, to the diameter of the oil pipeline and then they let it go. Boom! And uh, the pressure of the pipeline, uh, you can actually have a vacuum on the other side. Vroom! It uh, pushes this little plug, the sponge, like at a extremely high velocity because there's not much friction inside the pipeline. And Elon Musk has actually hit on this this form of uh, movement across space as perhaps a new means of transportation. And uh, he's actually signed uh, two contracts with uh, different cities around the world to, to build a public transportation system based on this technology. And uh, to launch all of that, he is going to be using the boring company because they've got to bore holes, you see, through the earth in order to make the tunnels. So that's why it's called the Boring Company. So anyway, he's going to launch that in in China soon. Who knows? We may come to a stage. I don't, I don't know why uh, he feels he needs to do it underground. I mean, we could do it above ground as well. I, I guess just in most cities around the world, it's uh, easier to build a pump, uh, public transportation system below ground because uh, above ground is just a mess. You know, um, you want to try and build, uh, you know, a high-speed rail link. Look what happened to Johannesburg a few years ago. Well, in actually, you know, considering the argumentativeness of South Africans, we actually managed to build our car train with a minimum uh, of fuss and so on. In fact, it was built very quickly. Amazing, you know. And uh, I'd just like to point out, you know, just dragging something out of my memory now, just, uh, you know, the Bombela Consortium was the main consortium behind it. And, um, yeah, uh, when uh, it started out... Um, the Khao train was going to cost 7 billion rands. And then uh, the provincial government stepped in, the Khao train provincial government stepped in and said, you know what, this decision can't be taken by um, by uh, Joburg alone because, you know, it cuts across jurisdictions. You know, it goes to um, uh, O.R. Tambo Airport. Uh, it cuts right across jurisdictions in Khao Teng. And as a result of then Khao Teng has to have a say in all of this. So Gauteng like, stepped in and said, we also have to have a say in this Gauteng project. And suddenly the, 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 the price of the Gauteng project jumped from 7 billion rand to 14 billion rand. What a neat little mathematical jump. And then national government stepped in and said, ah, no, 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 no. Uh, 
look, you know what, if you're going to take out loans and all these kinds of things, you're going to be buying foreign machinery from France and so on in order to build this train. That means that there's going to be foreign exchange involved, and that means that national government must get involved. And so then suddenly the Gauteng price tag jumped from 7 billion rand to 14 billion rand. It jumped suddenly to 21 billion rand. You know, in these 7 billion rand little jumps. And then the national government, uh, when people started complaining about things about the Gauteng, national government stepped up and said, but we, we had nothing to do with it. We're not part of the Bombay Consortium. You know, you're going to have you look at those price jumps and you just know, oh boy. All those years ago, corruption was already part of the thing. But then at least at the end of it all, we got a hard train. You know, um, uh, now with um, uh, ESCOM corruption, the thing has just gone completely out of hand. We spent like 400 billion rands uh, fixing up ESCOM over the last 10 years. And what have we got out of it? Less and less and less. Really is a worry. So anyway... Um, Elon Musk to launch his boarding company in China and then stuck for a business idea how about cows I know it may sound odd it may sound a little bit kind of like rural uh, but wouldn't cows be a good way of, 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 of uh, building up uh, value interesting huh you know you invest in a cow what is a cow mm. you can't sell a cow like a share or something like that you know you, you can't just put a, a cow into your back pocket and, and go to the JEC and sell it yeah so anyway yeah, if we have time we will be having a look at uh, concepts of uh, lobola and so on and, 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 and what a difference it is to invest in a cow as opposed to investing like say for instance a stock on the stock exchange um <clears throat> We're just going to have to cross for a quick commercial break. Inshallah, we'll be back in just a moment. You are listening to the voice of Ahlu Sunnah Wal Jama'ah. Assalamu alaikum. Well, let's go and have a look at the markets then. Uh, you see what happens when a major currency like the UN changes value suddenly, like, uh, you know, in, in, in a big approach in just one day. Uh, that means that everyone who've got these complicated trades like I was talking to you about, you know, using uh, commodities in order to surety to take out a loan and you take out a loan in a specific currency and then you, you go to another country to go and invest in their interest rate environment. And uh, that means that you've got to take out another currency. Uh, so, you know, you've got uh, two or three uh, currencies uh, introducing risk into your 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 line of deals you see so when the yuan suddenly devalues like us uh the yuan as a major currency in the world uh will of course be linked to a whole lot of other counter trades with other currencies and that means that a whole lot of people that have built up a, a whole line of business with an expectation of a result n at the end now suddenly sees oh dear i've got a result x at the end that means that now i've got to close out positions in order to um in order to make up the difference you see so suddenly you've got to sell stocks in order to try and bail out your line of credit that you've got going over here. And uh, so this is why suddenly the world is thrown into such paroxysms. Um, China decides on a devaluation and almost every single um, deal that's on the, on the table at the moment around the world is going to be affected in some way or another. Uh, and uh, this is why. 
Yeah, you know, um, I, I, I know I go on about, yeah, you know, you take out a loan at like 0% in America and you bring it over here and you get 6.7% interest. I mean, you, you, you're basically doing nothing. But it really is, I mean, I mean, they are doing nothing. But it's a bit like, you know, uh, a thief who doesn't like to go to work. Uh, then in actual fact working harder than someone who does go to work in order to get ill-gotten gains coming to him. Um, yeah, and so and so the carry trade, uh, you know, has this feature as well. I suppose in many ways it is as criminal. Um, and 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 this is why, you know, the the rand uh, had another weak trading session today. It came within breach of uh, fifteen dollars uh, as it peaked at a session high of fourteen ninety five to the dollar. And then rebounded a little bit before the close of day and uh, it finished at 14.90 at 5 o'clock. Uh, big losers uh, into properties. It took a nosedive last week because of weaker earnings. And it started uh, Monday on the back foot, fell 6.79 to end the day at 7.14. Naspers uh, so also under major pressure. Uh, that's after Tencent Holdings, which makes up about 30% of its no, even more than that. Uh, Tencent Holdings closed 4.27% lower. Uh, so Naspar itself fell 4.58%. Uh, percent ended the day on 3,350 rands for one share. <laughs> Aspen Pharmacare, also a big loser, losing 5.4%, closing at 84 rand. While Cap Industrial Holdings uh, lost 6.35%. Uh, Anglo-American fell 2.24%. Um, uh, and BHP Bulletin uh, lost 1.37%. Other blue chips uh, in um, uh, lost territory included Richemont uh, losing 4.55%, Discovery down 4.16%, and British American Tobacco uh, also down 3.22%. Um, big gainers were, of course, in the gold and platinum sectors. Uh, gold fields arose 814 uh, percent uh, Harmony Gold asserted 6.4 percent. Anglo Gold Ashanti uh, gained 5.85 percent. So yeah, the gold sector really gaining there. <clears throat> Anglo Platinum also a big winner, uh, gaining 2.57 percent. And yeah, so. Hmm. Well, I, I guess now everyone's starting to say, so now what does this mean for the rest of the week? You know, that was the Monday. What is the Tuesday going to bring? Boy. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, Goldfields, uh, Sabania, Accelerate Property Fund, Harmony Gold Mining, Anglo Gold, Shanti Pen, African Resources, Brait, Africa Rainbow Capital Invest, and Stenprop. Big winners on the JSE today. Goldfields, the biggest one. Yeah, yeah, there's agreement here. I'm, I'm now like cross-referencing my winners and my losers at the end of the day. I've got Shared over here. Uh, I've got uh, an, an, another internet uh, program here. And they, they, they don't always line up, you know. Um, it looks as though, you know, saying who's the biggest winner and the biggest loser isn't just a measure of tape. Uh, maybe it's a measure of laziness as well. Uh, big losers today, Cash Build, uh, Aspen Pharmacare, uh, Rainbow Chicken Foods, ArcelorMittal, Cap Industrial Holdings, Into Properties, Impact, Studio Holdings, and Invicta Holdings. Invicta Holdings losing 10%. Uh, 
Um, by 5 p.m. today, Palladium had gained 1.24% at 1,427. Platinum rose 1.23% at $855 an ounce. And gold was uh, 1.76% higher at $1,466. Uh, well, you know, the U.S.-China trade war uh, it makes demand looking uh, shaky. Uh, Brent crude also slipped today um, to $60.49 a barrel. That's just after the JSE close. Um, anyway... Donald Trump, you know, the man with the big red tie and the racist, um, the racist um, troglodyte at the head of the American economy, uh, said the latest decline in the UN is currency manipulation. And he said that, that the U.S. Fed should take note. He's, to quote him, he said, China dropped the price of their currency to almost a historic low. It's called currency manipulation. Are you listening, Federal Reserve? This is a major violation which will greatly weaken China over time and make America great again. Well, he said something like that. Um, I, I don't know if I, I, I did a proper interpretation of the President of the United States, um, but I think you get the basic idea. He says it's a major violation which will greatly weaken China over time. You know, as though the Chinese people are going to listen to Donald Trump. He actually thinks there are a whole lot of Chinese people there, you know, are watching their government go and devalue the yuan. And uh, they say, what should Donald Trump say about this? Let's listen. You know, and then Donald Trump says, this is a major violation which will greatly weaken China over time. So, whoa, we must get worried. Donald Trump is warning us. Quick, quick, we must go and institute a revolution against the Communist Party. Have another Tiananmen Square protests again. Uh, no, I don't think anybody in China is actually listening to Trump. In fact, I would say that Donald Trump is loathed in China. Uh, you know, he, he doesn't actually understand. It's like, it's, it's, it's basically like mob or crowd dynamics, you know. In these circumstances, you must know that when you go and you attack a common cause, that everyone who is joined in that common cause is going to unite ever tighter together. So, like, you know, uh, Hitler during World War II thought that if I send a whole lot of bombers over and I bomb the British public in London, they're going to lose morale and then they're going to come around to Germany's side. That's what Hitler thought was going to happen. He seriously thought that that was going to happen. Yeah. Anyway, so he sends his bombers over. Boom, 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 boom. And they bomb London. And what happens to the people down on the ground? Well, they just unite, don't they, brother? They, uh, you know, they they got behind the war effort and uh, they went and bloody Germany's nose, didn't they? Went and showed him, taught him a lesson again. But that's what happens, you know. And Donald Trump, you know, uh, going uh, again and saying this is going to greatly weaken China over time is not going to result in the Chinese um, saying to themselves, mm, you know what, maybe we're not on the right track. Maybe we need to turn around and get rid of this Communist Party. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. When you put them under pressure like that, Donald Trump, the Chinese are going to unite against you, and they're going to unite behind the government against you. He, he, he seems to think that his ego or his, uh, his long, blonde hair is going to do something to you know, bring people over instead of waving around. It looks like really ridiculous, doesn't it? Um, uh, but anyway, you know, I have hair a similar color. 
Um, <laughs> oh boy, I'll tell you what. Uh, there, there has tended to get me into trouble throughout my life. Um, and in, in, in actual fact, uh, yeah, may, may, maybe that's too intimate. But, but really, Donald Trump, uh, I promise you, you know, you may think you've got like some kind of animal magnetism. You may think that you're like a real ladies' man. You may kind of like think that when you and the big hunters get together in a room, there's an immediate affinity between you. You know, it doesn't matter what that affinity is. The Chinese don't like you. Because they, because they're Chinese, and you've insulted the Chinese, they don't like you. The Muslims, they don't like you. It doesn't matter what kind of animal magnetism you have. We are not going to allow you to have an evening alone with our pet spaniels. No, because you know we've seen you that uh, Jeff Epstein guy. What's his name? Huh? You know we're all the the the, the billionaire perverts of America would go and have have like weekends together with underage teenage girls. You know, those are the kind of friends that Donald Trump hangs out with. Uh, he's uh, admitted to, to be a, a, a sexual predator. Um, you know, uh, all of these kind of things. You see, there are certain bars where these kind of things, these appellations behind your name, are in actual fact going to win you cred. They are going to win you cred. But, you know, if you're not uh, selling little packets of crack cocaine in the toilets at the railway station um, then uh, you know there's no other place in the world where Donald Trump's um, qualifications are going to get you any kind of like cred you know other, the, other than you know the, the, the crack dealer at the public toilet at the railway station those are the kinds of people that you know they, 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 they get fully behind Donald Trump and I'm not really sure if they get behind Donald Trump uh, to support him or to sexually molest him. Uh, and I'm not too sure if Donald Trump would mind either way. But that being the case, you know, that is basically the measure of American morality nowadays. And in, in many ways, it's also the measure of the, uh, the so-called elite in America. Look at that like a, a inbred idiot savant. Oh, no, he's not even a savant. He's just a plain idiot. Uh, uh, George W. Bush. That a person like that could get into the White House. You know, what a major shock. After that, you know, Donald Trump was in many ways inevitable, I would say. Um, but anyway, Donald Trump tweeted today because he says this is his only defense against the media that he accuses of fanning hate uh, in the United States. Well, you know, Donald, uh, in actual fact, they do more than fan hate in the United States. They fan hate around the world. Um, he says hate is no place in the United States. We export that stuff. Um, yeah, anyway. China dropped the price of the currency an almost historic low, Trump tweeted on Monday. It's called currency manipulation. Are you listening, Federal Reserve? This is a major violation which will greatly weaken China over time. Uh, that uh, came after China responded to, to his threat to raise tariffs of $300 billion of imports, uh, putting an, an additional 10% tariff on that. Last week he said, yeah, I'm going to put a little 10% on because I can. 
and now trying to drop the value of the currency. And now he's screaming and shouting blue murder. Um, what, what do you expect, Donald Trump? What do you expect? So China is letting the yuan tumble to the weakest level in more than a decade. And uh, they're also asking Chinese companies, state-owned companies, to suspend imports of U.S. agricultural products. So they're really hurting because, of course, uh, America has been um, uh, growing soy specifically for the China market. And, uh, you know, a whole lot of farmers in America have changed from maize and all other kinds of crops to soy so that they can produce soy so they can, the Chinese can make their oyster sauce the way they like it. Mm. So a whole lot of American farmers, they changed over to soy and got this great trade deal going with China and guaranteed prices and all kinds of things. And suddenly uh, Donald Trump goes and spoils all of that. And now American farmers are going to know what to sell their products to. You know, that's often, you know, they've got no one to come and, and reap their crops because uh, Trump isn't allowing the Mexicans over the wall. And uh, Americans don't like to do those kind of jobs. You know, they've got combine harvesters for that kind of thing, you know, but combine harvesters can't do everything. And, uh, yeah, so now the American farmers are in all kind of trouble because of Donald Trump. And, of course, you know, any economist will tell you when your uh, agricultural base gets into trouble, uh, then that has a spin-off effect all the way up uh, the economy. In every single part of the economy gets into trouble. Uh, simply because, you know, um, uh, agriculture is like uh, the, the, the foundation of your economy. Uh, just like, you know, the, um, the commodities markets are also part of the foundation of your economy. They set base prices. They set the base prices, you see. And uh, then inflation bulls on those base prices. Uh, yeah, so, you know, anything that affects the base is going to affect everything above it. And uh, so, yeah, uh, all kinds of interesting um, months lying ahead for America and for American farmers. Um, the president's tweet suggests he's continuing to go to the U.S. central bank to ease monetary policy, to counter, to counter the action rather than instruct the Treasury Department to directly intervene to weaken the greenback. Uh, the Fed lowered rates by a quarter percentage point last week in a response to the darkening global outlook and uncertainty caused by Trump's trade war and signaled the door is open to further moves if needed. But it, it also said that we don't think it's needed. And as a result, all the markets all around the world, including the JSE, went into a tailspin. And uh, now Donald Trump is trying to then the very next day, that was on Thursday, they said, no, we're not going to. It does look as though we'll, we'll only be having one interest rate cut this year. That was the indication of the Federal Reserve on Thursday. Friday, Donald Trump uh, announced he's going to uh, increase tariffs on China, Chinese goods by another 10%. And uh, to underline, as I said on Friday, to underline why the U.S. economy is going to need a little bit of help in the months ahead because it's going to be busy with this trade war and it's going to cost America. And that's why it wants an easier interest rate environment. Donald Trump, I think you're going to need more than a 0.25, 0.75, you know, basis cuts, uh, really. Uh, you're going to need more than this uh, because, you know, you, you, you have a disruptive element now in your economy. You have a disruptive element. That means that plans were put in place are no longer going to come to fruition. They're going to get bumped out of their place, and it takes a while to come up with a new plan takes a while to implement it, to get people on board, and then to start going again. Much as we learned to our cost when uh, Jacob Zuma came to power here. Huh? 
we lost the momentum from the Mbeki era, or not from the Mbeki era, from the Mandela era. We lost the momentum from the Mandela era, and we're probably never going to regain it. Yeah, it's gone. Jacob Zuma, that's what you did, Jacob Zuma. You destroyed our momentum. Um, you put a cog in the spokes. You messed up all kinds of projects that were on the run by insisting that your people be put onto it. And as a result, projects fell apart. Projects just got stuck in the middle of nowhere. Uh, projects crash-landed. Projects collided into each other. And uh, the mess that we're looking at right now, this train wreckage of South Africa, is a direct result of that. It's a direct result of that. You know, as long as the ANC is going to be a cannibalist party, a cannibal party, where the new administration eats the old administration, they eat their jobs and they get rid of those guys and they chuck them out. They get rid of their contracts and they chuck them out. As long as that's going to do, there is going to be absolute disruption in our economy. Our economy will not be able to afford democracy. Because you see, the same thing happens on a national level. And then we have local elections coming along every two and a half years as well. And, and that messes things up on every single level. As long as the ANC is going to turn on itself and the administrations are going to turn on themselves, as long as comrades are not comrades but are stabbing each other in the back, this is going to be the inevitable result for South Africa. The ANC needs to sort itself, itself out first and change from being a cannibalist uh, party to a party that in actual fact uh, follows a, a, a path. You know, Pambiri, Pambiri. Africans know the meaning of Pambiri. We know the meaning of Pambiri. You stay on your path. As-sabur, forbearing, forbearing. You stay on your path. You don't let anything knock you off it. That is the secret to success that South Africa needs to learn, most especially the ANC needs to learn. You don't let a change of administration change your party's policies. You don't let a change of administration change your party's projects. If you're going to have new people coming in place, they must take over the old projects, not bring in their own ones and their own friends, like it's a, a, a family picnic uh, going down to the coast. And uh, that, that, I'm afraid, is the level of government in South Africa at the moment. Um, U.S. Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin has refrained from labeling China a currency manipulator because he's got to actually go speak to these people. Uh, but, of course, you know, Trump's uh, words are going to be ringing in his ear when he sits down, sits down for negotiations. Um, Anyway, uh, bonds uh, also suffered uh, yields across developed markets, tumbled to unprecedented lows as a worsening trade dispute between China and America spurred bets that central banks will need to start cutting rates more aggressively, meaning also that the U.S. Fed is going to have to start cutting rates more aggressively. And until that happens, we're probably going to be flatlining for a very long time. Uh, yeah, China weakened the yuan beyond the $7 per dollar mark, uh, spurring speculation of full-fledged currency war. Uh, is the United States going to respond? Uh, well, that remains to be seen. Is that going to cause even more 
problems than uh, what it's going to solve. Uh, prospects of more policy easing in Europe are apparently being underpriced, according to ING Bank, saying uh, you really need to uh, see more quantitative easing coming in. Europe unable to pay its debts now, taking given itself more loans. America unable to pay its debts, given itself more loans. Uh, that, 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 that path has only got one conclusion. It's not going to go anywhere other than into uh, irredeemable debt. Irredeemable debt. Unaffordable debt will not be repaid. That is uh, an, an absolute of banking, of lending. Unaffordable debts will not be repaid because there will be no money to pay it. Unaffordable debts will not be repaid. America and Europe, unaffordable debt will not be repaid. Well, they're giving themselves unaffordable loans. They are never, ever, ever going to be in a position to repay it. Never. I cannot see how these two economies are ever, ever, ever going to repay this quantitative easing nonsense that they're giving themselves. Uh, because they're still ruling uh, uh, the banking corridors of power, they are able to do this. Because other countries have got their currencies, uh, have got their national reserves saved in dollars. That means that our economy, as long as our, as our wealth is measured in dollars and stored in dollars, we, we are a prisoner to this process as well. We are a prisoner to this process as much as anyone in Ohio or Wyoming or in El Paso, Texas. We are as much a hostage to the situation as uh, any American, as, as any Mexican even, you know. Um, <clears throat> and where it all goes, well, nobody knows. Also today, business uh, struggled to, to achieve growth at the start of the second half of the year. Uh, we heard that uh, thanks to the Purchasing Managers Index, which came out, released today, it measures performance of businesses in the private sector. The index, which was below the neutral 50 mark, shows that the health of South Africa's private sector continued to decline in July. Uh, PMI for July uh, was at 48.4%. Uh, in June, it was on 49.7%. So this is the third successive month uh, that business conditions have deteriorated. It's also the sharpest deterioration since November. Uh, well, I thought we couldn't say since like in 2007, but no, no, not since November. So it's not that bad. According to David Owen, an economist at IHS Market, Never heard of the guys. Uh, with a surprisingly sharp downturn in South African GDP in the first quarter, weighing on sentiment, businesses have continued to report a challenging environment across their private sector economy uh, in July. Of course, the Purchasing Managers Index uh, requires managers to purchase um, uh, basic goods that are needed in their production processes. Uh, and that means you've got to take on an expense in order to make a profit. So now, you know, any businessman, you've got to say, well, okay, well, I don't want to take on too much expense because we're only going to get a certain amount of profit out at the end of the month. Like, say, um, I'm making, I'm making um, stainless steel cutlery, and I buy stainless steel from um, uh, the metals. I buy stainless steel from the metals. 
and I'm only going to be able to sell a certain amount of forks. Like I say, I'm only going to be able to sell uh, 40,000 forks. Uh, last month I sold uh, 38,000. The previous month I sold uh, 40,000. And the month before that I sold 42,000. So I reckon I'm, I'm, I'm going to... I'm going to buy 40,000 uh, uh, rands worth of stainless enough stainless steel to make 40,000 rands worth of sales. But I'm not buying enough to make 42,000 rands of sales. You know, you know, that month I made 42,000 rand worth of sales, but I'm not expecting to make that kind of sales this month. So I'm only buying enough stainless steel to make 40,000 rands worth of sales. That means that I'm less confident this month than I was in the month when I bought enough stainless steel to make 42,000 rands worth of sales. You see? So you see, because I'm taking on risk when I make this purchase, because I've got to take on this on this debt ahead of me actually making my sales. So that's why the PMI indicator is a leading indicator. It's an indicator for future business activity, and that means that uh, I'm I'm buying uh, stuff at the beginning of the month because I don't think the end of the month is going to be so great. So I'm buying less this month. So the less you buy, the lower the PMI indicator goes, and uh, well. All intents and purposes, we are still busy holding ourselves in here in South Africa. Yes, indeed, it's going to take a while before this storm blows itself out. In the meantime, batten down the hatches and uh, make dua to Allah to look after you and the Ummah. Jazakum Allah for joining us. I make dua that whatever trading activity you get up to today is profitable and above all halal. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.